five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was the uh, great return to forever. In my humble opinion, probably the best of the jazz fusion groups from the uh, 1970s. And there are some great ones. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. You had Weather Report who were tremendous, tremendous players. Joe Zawinul. Um they always had kind of a rotating cast of bass players. Jacko Pastorius uh, in the uh, initial outfit, uh, Wayne Shorter, saxophone. Great group. Don't get me wrong. A bit more of a longer lifespan than Return to Forever. Mahavishnu Orchestra. Tremendous. Right? Billy Cobham on drums. John McLaughlin on bass. Jan Hammer, keyboard synthesizers, Jerry Goodman, violin. I mean, these are tremendous outfits, players. Return to Forever had something both of those bands didn't have. Return to Forever had funk. Like Stanley Clark on bass and Lenny White on drums. Those guys could fucking bring it. And then they had just an incendiary guitar player in Al Miola who could do a bunch of Spanish stuff, right? He could do the Spanish thing, the flamenco thing. Then he could funk it out. He could have these searing, just, you know, mind-melting riffs on the guitar. Man, that was a good group. They didn't last very. I mean, there were different iterations of Return to Forever, but that unit, I think, was around for about three records. And after that, just like the whole scene, just, you know, Dan and the Lion Spore scattered to the winds. How is everybody today? Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. I am your host, Robert Phoenix. If you're listening on the uh, podcast side of things, welcome to the show. We're growing ever. We're growing. A little up and to the right. A little up and to the right. A little up and to the right. We're inching up there, inching up there, inching up there. Jasper will not be joining us today. He's a little under the weather. I'm sorry to say that. He's uh, taking the morning off. So uh, lots of uh, good thoughts and, and uh, some prayers for our, our little furry mascot as he uh, hopefully rebounds. I don't know what what's uh, what's up with him. Some, he might have eaten a bug. I'm sure he didn't get stung by a scorpion. It's scorpion season now. You know, I actually, try, I was trying to improve my scorpion crime. Normally I just kill him. They're hard little fuckers to kill, too, by the way. If, you're, if you've ever tried to step on a scorpion, it takes more than one step. It's like, you got to go bang, 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 bang. You got to grind them with your heel. 
those things are, you know, made to survive. But I liberated one the other day. I didn't, I didn't outright kill it. I thought, I'll, you know, I'll improve my scorpion karma here. Let me, uh, let me take him outside. And I figured that out and I did. But uh, it is scorpion season, so I got to keep my eye out for these critters. But Jasper did eat, so that's kind of a good sign. Uh, his nose is um, cold and damp, which is which is good. Um, so hopefully, we'll be here tomorrow. I know who will be here tomorrow. That'll be Russ Winter. He'll be joining us from uh, twelve noon to uh, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. It won't be here. It'll be on YouTube. But uh, we'll get into the cacistocracy. These are the people that have been granted the ability to determine our collective fate and future with, at times, dubious qualifications, to say the least. So we'll get into that tomorrow with Russ. Always enjoy talking with Russ. Today, I'll be with Giuseppe over on Twitch. And um, it's always it's always fun being on the, uh, the Giuseppe show. Very fun because Giuseppe's a wild man. I'd love to hang out with Giuseppe one of these days. But we'd have a lot of fun. As much as two guys who are in their 60s who don't drink or do drugs could have fun. We'd have a lot of fun. Um, how is everybody today? In case you're wondering about the title for today's show, it is a reference to the movie Top Gun. Because there was a character in Top Gun named Goose. And Goose is the nickname of Tony Siragusa, who died two days ago, if I'm not mistaken, 55 years old. And um, he was a resident of Tom's River. So Top Gun comes out and the Goose dies in Tom's River. Strange, right? Isn't it weird how sometimes these things happen? in our realm. Anyway, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Jalen Ferguson, who, you know, we're in, we're still in this weird um, hall of mirrors with the uh, echo chambers and duality. Tony Saragusa used to play for the Baltimore Ravens. And he did something to a Raiders quarterback one time in a football game. It was Rich Gannon and it was illegal and he took him out. I think the Raiders could have beaten the Ravens if they had had their, uh, their quarterback. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't like to talk ill about the dead, generally speaking. And you, you know, by all accounts, Tony Saragusa was a character. A real character, you know, one of the he was a big guy, really big guy, um, and probably had a big heart, you know, kind of big Italian. He, he was a sideline reporter who was very unconventional, which I appreciate. 
So I'm giving you my little obit on Tony Siragusa. If he was still alive, and I was talking about when he uh, took Rich Gannon out of the game illegally, I would call him a fat ass, not fat ass. But he's not around, so I will be respectful about his weight, which grew increasingly over the years. But Jalen Ferguson, Tony Siragusa was 55. Jalen Ferguson, 25 years old, in the prime of his life, peak condition, dies suddenly. Let's throw in Caleb Swanigan. Caleb Swanigan, I believe it was three or four years ago, was the, uh, I they call it the Big 12 now. Used to be the Big 10, Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan, Illinois, you know, that conference. He was the player of the year. He was a beast. Caleb Swanigan was a beast. In the old days of the NBA, pre-Steph Curry, there probably would have been a place for him because the game has changed so much. You know, you could throw him the ball down low. He could muscle people up, right? He could probably hit a 15, 20-foot jumper. He could rebound. In today's NBA, that player is a relic, right? You need guys that can stretch the floor, get spacing, defend on the perimeter, defend multiple positions. I know it's not a sports show. I'm just giving you an example. Caleb Swanigan uh, was a first-round draft pick uh, by the, I think it was the Portland Trailblazers who seem to have a weird history with their draft picks. That's another story. Uh, anyway, he died. He died three days ago. Now, in Caleb Swanigan's case, he gained a shit ton of weight. Like, if you go back and you look at him when he played at Purdue, the guy, the guy was a, you know, he's a physical specimen. He's a monster. And, you know, in that kind of physical specimen monster mode, he, he put, he was, he, I think he was like 300 pounds plus and he, he died. Right. So you have three athletes, two of them were young, 25 years old. They said that Caleb Swanigan died of natural causes. I think what's happening is that they're expanding the uh, definition of natural causes these days. All right, let me uh, take care of a little business. Let me check in with y'all. And then we're going to kind of climb down this rabbit hole today. And at some point, at some point, people are going to get through their thick fucking heads that they've been lied to They've been manipulated and their family has essentially been murdered or members of their family have been murdered. And if they haven't been murdered, future generations, lives that may be born to continue that family line, well, they've already been murdered too because they're not going to be able to reproduce. There is a movie I've talked about on a number of occasions called Children of Men. It's probably one of my top 20 movies. It's a hard watch. It's a, it's a little wokey. It's a little wokey in some ways. But it's also kind of Gnostic as well. Because there's a woman in there who, it's a society, many of you have seen it. It's a dystopic society. 
population is dropping. They can't have children. And uh, there's a woman who has had a child. And she happens to be black. And I think it's an analogy for Sophia. And she is the black Madonna. And there is an imperative that this woman with her child, the only child had been born to humanity in over a decade, get to a safe place called the human project. It's a great movie. Unfortunately, it's beginning to look like more of a documentary than a theatrical release. All right, let me uh, let me take your little business. Of course, I gotta gotta give my props and uh, some love to True Hemp Science, which is the CBD company that my friend Chris. I'll be. I, hopefully, I'll see Chris this weekend because I'm headed. I'm headed to keep it weird. Headed into Austin this weekend. So uh, let me let me see if I can find the true hemp science thing, the true hemp science. Here we go. I love that song. So here we go. A little four one one for true hemp science. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is Christopher Lynch's CBD company. And the gummies have been a smash hit in Chattaria. I actually ran out of gummies two nights ago. I've been trying to supplement with uh, a little bit of melatonin and a little bit of gold kratom. The, the, the challenge for me with melatonin, which I do think is effective, is that I always feel hungover whenever I take the melatonin. You know the melatonin hangover? Takes a while to get going. I don't have that problem with the CBD. Not at all. So if you are having some challenges, like many people with sleeping, uh, Chris's CBD gummies for sleep are your ally. In addition to the CBD gummies, there are plenty of products over there at uh, True Hemp Science for your, your own personal use whether it's pain, inflammation, and uh, use for your pets as well. You spend $100, you get a, at least $20 worth of product backed. Chris is very generous that way. Go to truehemscience.com backslash rough backslash 23 and type in 15 mins, one, five, capital M-I-N-S. And that is your code. So that Chris knows you're coming from my website and uh, you get the goodies. So when I see him, hopefully this weekend, I'm going to ask him about the proprietary Chitarian blend. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to have that conversation. All right, let's see who's in chat. Let's do a little roll call here. Uh, thanks for waiting around today a little bit. I was um, busy getting some things together. There's my man, Thomas Jordan and DJ MC. What's going on, Michael? There's my girl, Sony. What's happening, Sony? Wendy says the beautiful one is here. Hello, Wendy. There's Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Morning, brother. Kelly B., the lovely Kelly B., alive and kicking. 
watched David and Jamie this morning. I thought it was a good show. Who's Jimmy? Uh, let's see who else we have here. Let's see. We got Fran. What's going on, Fran? Fantastic. Hucklebuck411. What's going on? HB411. We got Joyful Gigi. Hi, Joyful Gigi. I'm glad you love the show. We love you too. There's plenty of love. We have an unlimited supply of love to go around here. Michael Paffer. There's my man. What's going on, Michael? Good to see you. Scrubbies. Mark M. My antipodal astro brother. Good to see you, Mark. Uh, K and S are here. Happy sun, no longer standing still, moving again day. So tomorrow I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to try to catch the alignment. Maybe I'll bring my uh, video camera, my uh, phone out and try to catch it across the morning sky. The great alignment. You know, we're having some earthquakes now. There was a big earthquake. Where is it? Pakistan? I'm not mistaken. Pakistan or Afghanistan. One of the stands. There's the young wizard. Nicholas Grimm is in the house. What's going on, Nicholas? You TikTok devil, you. Let's see. Uh, do a little refork this morning. Oh, good. Glad you're catching it on the live side. Uh, Garrett Brooks, always good to see you here, Garrett. Welcome to the show. Mm -mm -mm. Love me some chick. I'm old. Yeah, Chick Korea. What an interesting character he was. He's the only guy in Return to Forever who's passed away. I did see them. I saw them back in the 2000s in San Francisco. It was kind of like their reunion tour. I think I have a t-shirt from that tour still. You could tell they had lost a step a little bit. You could just, you could kind of tell. You could kind of tell that Stanley had lost a little bit. Chick didn't lose anything. You can tell Lenny had lost a little step. But they were still great. I had seen Chick once before at the uh, Berkeley Jazz Festival in uh, Berkeley, believe it or not, the Greek theater. What a, what a show. Wow. Holy crap. That was a show. It wasn't Return to Forever. It was Chick Korea, Gail Moran, and Gary Burton. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. 69 TM. I prefer Bill Connor is a good guitar, player. different style, but great guitar player. I'll tell you a guy who I really like and doesn't get enough credit is Lee Rittenauer. I think Lee Rittenauer is a great, great uh, player from that period. Uh, as far as Bill, Bill, Bill's go, very different kind of music, but Bill Frizzell is also another great Bill guitar player. Uh, let's see. Garrett says I'm in Maine and it's barely 60. Typical early summer day here. God, God bless Garrett. Just come down to Texas and um, broil in the sun here a little bit. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Kelly had a dream. My son goes and, and has one last night. He's okay. She was a car. I was in a car wreck. My, my feeling is if you speak about your dreams, they don't, the bad ones, they don't come true. 
And I actually have, <coughs> pardon me. I have an example of this um, IRL. I had a dream one time where I had a van and it got um, snatched up by the popo in my dream. And I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't tell anyone about it. And guess what? My van got snatched up by the popo one day. So if you have a bad dream, I suggest that you share it to somebody who cares about you and get it out of your system. Okay, who else do we have? Uh, Anybody else? Anybody else? Hey, there's PMSO LLC checking in. Finally found my way back into the chat. We're glad that you did. Marie is here too. Hi, Marie. Let's see who else do we have. A water gun filled with ammonia works. Oh, uh, let's see. Yes. There's my man, Maurice. What's going on? Maury 100. Good to see you. Oh, uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, oh, yeah. Polio is back, isn't it? Oh, God. A raining shitstorm. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great line, Michael. Michael Kane pulled my finger. Yeah. <laughs> that movie, man, that is David Palmer. Oh, Fade to Black. Oh, right. He was on Jimmy Church. Yes. Jimmy Church. Franorama. I like that. David Palmer and Jimmy Church. Yes. Um, fanta- I do like Fantastic, too. Intermounting Flame is a great record. Wendy, Wendy knows her shit, man. Uh, Intermounting Flame. Um, Birds of Fire, I think, is the best Wild Vision record. That's just me. Let's see. Okay, there we go. I think you're all present and accounted for as much as you can be on this end. I'm sure there are others watching with uh, other people who are using much better software than I am accounting for y'all, if you know what I'm saying. All right, let's, uh, let's get into some of this. Let's get into, let's start with, uh, I want to start with Jalen Ferguson because of all these deaths, his is the one that I think is the most disturbing. And I, I, I don't like to start the day off on, you know, bad or heavy news. But, you know, when you have a 25-year-old who dies, so he's 26, I was off by a year. In fact, he had, uh, let's see, he was born December 14th. So he's a Sagittarius, and he dies in the month of Gemini, actually, cancer. Uh, just right on the uh, right on the solstice. Um, let's look at sort of the mainstream coverage. The mainstream coverage here, they're trying to deflect as much as they possibly can. 
Shannon Ferguson was a good player too. Promising future. This is not somebody who was struggling to hang on to their their position in the uh, NFL. Baltimore Ravens outside linebacker Jalen Ferguson has died. The NFL team announced on Wednesday he was 26. We are profoundly saddened by the tragic passing of Jalen Ferguson, the Ravens said on Twitter. He was a kind, respectful young man with a big smile and an infectious personality. That's almost, I'm sorry, I'm not here to, to, to disparage this young man's life. But that's like you could apply that to just about anybody who dies now, no, no matter what age they are. He was a kind, respectful man with a big smile and effects. We express our heartfelt condolences to Jalen's family and friends as we mourn a life lost much too soon. You could take that and you could copy this and you could just right there, copy, paste, and you could just change that name and you could use it for any young person that dies now. I guarantee you. No cause of death was given. Ferguson's agent, Safara Lawson, said in a statement at NFL.com, the family asks for your prayers and privacy during this trying time. Really, what that agent should be saying is, the family asks for your righteous anger and insatiable curiosity into this young man's death. Enablers. We live in a society of enablers. In a statement on Twitter, the NFL said, we are heartbroken. We are heartbroken. To hear the tragic loss of Jalen Ferguson, the NFL family sends our deepest condolences to his loved ones. The Louisiana Tech prospect was drafted by Baltimore in the third round in 2019 in 38 games with the team, 10 of which were starts. Ferguson had 67 tackles and four and a half sacks in three seasons. Nicknamed Sack Daddy in college, he broke the all-time NC2A record for sacks with 45. During the 2019 draft week, Ferguson lent his support for relief efforts in his college community of Ruston, Louisiana, after a deadly tornado struck the city. The LaTeX family mourns this morning's tragic news of the sudden death of former Bulldog great Jalen Ferguson said a statement from Ferguson's alma mater. We will remember his God-given talents on the field and his infectious personality off of it. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends, RIP 45. Isn't that Biden? Isn't Biden 45? No, that's Trump, right? 45 is Trump. Interesting. The Ravens' misery was later compounded by the death of former player Tony Siragusa, a Super Bowl champion who became a popular sideline reporter after his career ended. A statement from the team said he died unexpectedly. He was 55 years old. There is no one like Goose, a warrior on the field and a team unifier with a giving, generous heart who helped teammates in the community more than most people know. Former coach Brian Billick said, we would not have won the Super Bowl without him. This is such stunning, sad news. And our hearts go out to Kathy and the Siragusa family. So you have a 25, you have a 26-year-old and a 55-year-old. Now, Tony Siragusa, if you look at him, um, he clearly 
is at risk. He's a big dude, really big dude. So if perchance in order to maintain his life and his lifestyle and his livelihood, he succumbed to the pressure and the, the mandates of the Sanhedrin that Tony Siragusa got vaccinated. And being that he is overweight, obese, he's obese, that in and of itself put him at risk. Now, Jalen Ferguson, on the other side of the equation, remember, the NFL was requiring players to be vaccinated. Some teams were militant about it. The general manager of the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean, was militant about it. I don't know where uh, the Baltimore Ravens chimed in. I know that Lamar Jackson didn't get vaccinated. They didn't make much of a, a uh, kerfuffle out of that because he's their star player, um, even though I think he's a little overrated. Nice kid. Uh, and Lamar got, you know, he got sick along the way, but he's not dropping dead like Jalen Ferguson. So what I've heard with the, the younger athletes is that because they're in such good shape, most of them don't have a lot of fat on their body. So these theoretical clots, they have to go to one place. Right there. The old tickaroo. And that's why they die of heart attacks. Because there's nowhere to hide in the body. And whatever happens gets in the bloodstream, goes straight to the source, and then begins to essentially uh, take it over like red algae. Now, what's interesting about the Jalen Ferguson thing is that they're, 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 they're hinting, if I do the uh, HBO thing, or sorry, ESPN, they're hinting that he might have overdosed on Xanax. Let me see if I can find the, uh, the quote here. Um, he had three children, too, two daughters and a son. All learned at the age of five. Let's see if I can do this. I, instead of me poking around all these. Um, Websites, just let me do a quick search here. So now they're going to try to lasso this thing into a drug overdose. While Baltimore police do not suspect foul play, they say there were no signs of trauma at the scene of Ravens linebacker Jalen Ferguson's death. They are not ruling out the possibility of an overdose, radar has learned. When officers responded to a call in Baltimore's Harwood neighborhood around 11.25 p.m., Ferguson was unresponsive and uh, being treated by EMT personnel. Ferguson never regained consciousness. The cops told TMZ and was pronounced dead on the scene by medics. A separate source told the Baltimore Banner that, uh, it's not then, it's that, that an overdose is 
suspected based on items found at the scene. According to the website, as well, a friend who found Ferguson told police 26-year-old athlete had said to him earlier in the evening, he was zannied up, referring to his intake as Xanax. The drug is a brand name version of Alprazolam and is used to create anxiety and panic disorders. Um, in, per, in Ferguson's case, the drug use was likely related to recent personal events. The banner source suggests his grandmother had recently died and there was also a fire at his home in Owings Mill, tumbling Ferguson into depression. If Xanax was not prescribed, some are speculating that it may have been tainted with fentanyl. Hank Williams, a 54-year-old resident at the neighborhood where Ferguson was found, told the banner, it is common to see people come into the area with drugs and use them in empty houses. Ferguson, a one-time star at Louisiana Tech, was selected in the third round, 2019 NFL draft by the Ravens. Okay, so now they're trying to uh, loop this back. They're trying to loop this back to drug use. Okay. Well, why don't we look at that? Let's say that that's true. Let's say that he might have bought Xanax laced with fentanyl. Maybe it was fentanyl. It's possible. It's also possible he was vaxxed. And this is a response to the vax, right? It's a reaction to the vax. But if it was fentanyl, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about how we have a massive drug problem in this country and people are, their lives are wasted and ruined by the use of fentanyl. Why are they wasted and ruined? Because their lives got fucked up. Their dreams got broken, shattered. I'll never forget watching this one report on the fishermen of, what was it? Um, was it Massachusetts? It might have been Massachusetts. And these fishermen made their livelihood from catching tuna. You know, the big tuna? They'd go out and catch this big tuna. And then all of a sudden, they were told that for a while that they couldn't go out and catch tuna. Then they were told that they had to limit their catches. Why? Because the tuna supposedly was being overfished. There's no proof of that. Really, what was going on is that they wanted to devastate their livelihood while making imported fish from Europe and other places more available on the market. See how the game works? What happened to those guys? They fell into depression. What did they do? They became drug addicts. They succumbed to methamphetamine, fentanyl. I think it was oxy back then. This is what happens. People's lives and livelihood get completely gutted. And they have no place to turn, no place to go. 
and they're filled with pain, remorse, guilt, whatever trauma that they've got stored up from their childhood begins to rear its ugly head. Oh, you're no fucking good. You'll never amount to anything. And all they want is some sense of relief and peace and escape from the voices in their head. Maybe this is true of Jalen Ferguson. I don't know. Maybe he did die of fentanyl. But it's never part of the talking point. Uh, the, uh, you know, uh, President Diaper never talks about fentanyl. And, you know, I have clients who have lost children due to the fact that they had overdosed in fentanyl. Nobody ever talks about it. So I'm just carving out a space for fentanyl. And let's say with Zannies, it's really hard to fucking overdose on Zannies. You'd have to take a lot of fucking Zannies. Whatever the cause of this young man's death, it is tied to the conditions of our time. Oh, there's Max. What's going on, Max? Let's back up on the... Uh, I have this air conditioner that I don't use. It's perched in the window. You know those air conditioners? So part of it's on the outside. He gets up on that. He wants... But I can't let him in. He'll destroy... He'll be like Godzilla in here. He'll destroy everything. Not out of any spite. He just has no sense of things like that. Let's look at uh, Caleb Swanigan. Now, Caleb Swanigan is a whole different story here. Again, quite young, very young. And this guy was a beast. So let me show you um, a picture of Caleb Swanigan kind of in his athletic prime. I think he was drafted by the Kings. He drafted Blazers, and he went and played for the Kings. So this is... I think it's a good shot of him right here. So here's Caleb Swanigan when he was playing professional basketball. All right, you can see some of the pictures here. I mean, look, you know, the guy's young, in good shape, a little thick, right? All right. Let me show you the transformation. But that's a great name, isn't it? Caleb Swanigan. That is one of the all-time classic names. Let me show you what happened to Caleb Swanigan. Caleb Swanigan went from this to this. He did it in a really, really short period of time. He goes from this guy to a man boob model. 
And of course, he's wearing the telltale signature sign of the mask. What is he doing? What are you doing? He's going nuts. I think he just took a shit. You know, cats do that. They take a shit and they go nuts. Anyway, now how how does this guy become this guy in two short years? This is from May 20th, a month ago. The other day, a photo of former Blazers big man Caleb Swanigan went viral. The photo shows that Swanigan gained weight well, he weighed 260 pounds when he played last season. Reports that the 6'9 forward swelling north of 400 pounds. The forward now responded to social media responses and posts commenting on the photo of him. When the media in your life ignore them, I'm a full-time father figure with trust funds for offsprings. When you write, they hate you. I promise. All, all I'm going to say is Dave Chappelle... I'm happy. So here's my theory of what happened to Caleb Swanigan. He was a borderline NBA talent. He dominated in college. Um, he probably, a lot of guys, if they're borderline NBA talents, they can make a pretty good living playing basketball overseas. China pays well. Some of the Euro leagues pay well. The problem with the Euro leagues is that it's really hard to stay on one team for more than two to three seasons. And so you become like a basketball gypsy. You play in places like Spain and Italy and Israel and Russia before the whole Russia shitstorm. Greece, right? So you can make a decent living, but it's hard to say, okay, we're going to make our home here. This is not how European basketball, especially for American players. Um, he could have done that. You know, he could have scratched and clawed and stayed in shape and, you know, played in the G League a little bit. And maybe some team goes, okay, well, we'd like you or your board. More than likely, he was a borderline NBA player, great college player, big 10 player, big 12 player of the year. But when they had to shut things down and that guy doesn't have an access to a gym, he doesn't have an access to the things that could have kept him in shape. Um, doesn't even have access to his dreams anymore in a brief period of time. What does he do? You know, he goes on the, on the depression diet and just starts eating his way through life. And people do this. And he probably got vaxxed. You saw him wear a fucking mask. So now he's in Tony Siragusa category, territory, right? Although Tony was always that way. He played football. You need to look like that when you play football. But Caleb Swanigan, you know, put on the pounds very quickly. And then at 26 years old, he's dead. So underlying conditions here, whether they're physical conditions, too much weight, or psychological and emotional conditions, they're all weighing in, pardon the pun, on 
people and their inability to cope with our current system and time. And these, all these people, they're casualties. They're casualties of war. Now, of the three, Tony probably had the best life. He was beloved. He was, he was an icon in New Jersey. But he's also a guy that probably had to travel. New Jersey, very strict on the whole fucking vaccine thing. And if you wanted to do things in New Jersey, whether it was go to a gym or whatever, whatever that thing, Tony hadn't set foot in the gym in a long time. I can guarantee you that. But you needed to be vaccinated. Have your little card. Where's my phone? Have your little app. And I'm sure that's what happened to him. He never struck me as somebody who was going to push back against the system. So you have three separate cases here. And I think that the connecting thread between all three is that they got vaccinated. All three had other things going on in their lives that might have led to what they experienced. In Jalen Ferguson's case, if indeed it was a fentanyl overdose, that's worthy of discussion too. But the only time... Shit gets discussed is when they talk about guns. Oh, now we got to talk about it. Now we have to have a discussion. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about guns until we run out of oxygen. Just think if there was as much of an uproar and furor about fentanyl as it were about guns. That every word you heard out of a congressman or a senator or somebody like John Cornyn in Texas, who all of a sudden, he got the memo. Okay, John, here you go. You have to start putting the knife in the back of your constituents. If they started to talk about fentanyl in the same way, the same tone, the same insistency, the same consistency as they do with guns, I guarantee you, Americans would demand to have fucking something done against fentanyl and its importation and creation into this country, creation importation into this country, right? But that's not what's happening. Now when somebody dies, it's just, oh, they had such a great smile. They had such an infectious personality. Please say your prayers for the family. That's what we get now. Uvalde is another example of that, oh, it's so terrible. And I'm not making fun of the event. What I'm doing is I'm mocking our response to these so-called tragedies. And they're, 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 it's like saccharine tears. Then we move on. There was a young basketball player, very good one. And he was a high school student, looked like he was going to going to college. He got murdered in New York recently. Come play. You think Steve Kerr got on his podium and started talking about how this has got to stop? No. He only does that when he's told to. Go do it, Steve. Grab the mic. 
By the way, I was completely embarrassed during the NBA finals when I saw both fucking coaches wearing masks, either at press conferences or on the sidelines. Coaching. You'd be kidding me. Anyway, that's where we are now, right? We are, we've become a death cult. We celebrate martyrs. And if they're not martyrs, we quietly, we, we quietly mourn and roll out the platitudes. And then we move on. For all intents and purposes, we worship death. This is what's happened to our society. We worship death. And, you know, we pay our respects and our, and we say our homilies, not for the individual themselves, because those are generic. Those are cliche. We say them for death. When we become a society that celebrates life, that celebrates creation, that celebrates birth, we all know death is part of it, part of the cycle of life, right? But it's tilted way too far in the other direction. Now, astrologically, I've talked about this because Neptune is in the uh, Scorpio decan. The south node in Scorpio is in the Piscean decan, right? So we're, we're at a high watermark here, especially with Neptune around death, the cult of death, the celebration of death. I talked about this in terms of Evaldi, the spirit of Santa Muerta, where the guy says she's now with the God. The Who is the God? It's not God, the God. You know, the God with the skull, that God? She's now with the God. And Santa Muerta is a death cult. It has a reverence. There's no... You can have a reverence for death and a respect for death. There is a tremendous power in, in death. Tremendous. The amount of grief that one can experience cleanses your emotional body. It's tremendous power. But in our society, we've made it like a dollar general item like that's how much we have cheapened it and now it's fast and furious there there are hundreds of athletes that have died hundreds there was a, a young lacrosse player about what three weeks ago died 19 years old gone i talked about the softball player the girl softball player oh she was suicidal really how do you get to be, you're playing softball. Your team went deep into the College World Series last year. You were considered to be a key player. You're 19 years old and you're suicidal. I don't think so. Right? That I mean, you can be depressed, but nobody ever said that she took her own life. Now, they did that in the case of the goalie from Stanford, the young woman who was, I believe, 
if not the most valuable player. She made the biggest save of her career last year in the women's NCAA um, soccer championship in which Stanford won. And she made a big fucking save. Won the game for him. Like if you're a kid and you put in all those hours and all the practice time and your parents have driven you to all these practices and all these games and in soccer, they play in shitty weather a lot of the time. Right. And you're sitting through a lot of, especially when you're young, you're sitting through a lot of like, everybody gets a trophy kind of games. And she just, and, and she dies. Well, they're saying it was suicide. Okay. So now what is the reason or cause behind rampant suicides with young college athletic women? Question mark. So they're going to spin this way anything they can. Now, all of a sudden, heart attacks are connected to global warming. They're actually saying that now. So they are doing everything in their power to pin what's taking place with our young people to the fucking climate. This should tell you the level of sociopathology that we're dealing with. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. Nothing. It's gaslighting at epic proportions. That's what's happening to people every day now. People are being gaslit by the media, by the drug companies, by doctors, by so-called health experts, by politicians. Every fucking day, people are being gaslit. This is exactly what's happening. Oh, that has nothing to do with what they put in their veins. It's the sun. It's too much carbon. You better get on the climate, you better get on the, uh, the climate change uh, train here. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I had a very poignant talk with a client. And she's probably listening. I won't say her name. But um, very poignant talk, young, 20s. And very um, honest. And she shared with me that, you know, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time at times with reality. And this world, I totally get it. I totally, totally get it. Young people who are aware, who are not consumed by video games or, you know, some sport or some kind of distraction. These young people who get it are looking around saying, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? How am I going to be able to have even the semblance of a normal life in a world where all of that is in free fall? And I feel for these young people. I don't know what I would do if I was that age. I really don't. It'd be very hard. I mean, I, I could, you know, where was I at 26? I was off in fucking esoteric land. But... I'd probably 
would just check out. And I'm not talking about checking out with the body. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go somewhere where I don't have to deal with this shit. And I'm just going to take my chances in Tonga or Samoa or whatever, wherever. Right. That, I mean, I would probably do something like that. I'd leave. I'm like, this thing is over. I'm, I'm punching, you know, I'm punching my ticket here in this story and I'm going somewhere. I probably would do something like that, but some people can't do that. And, and nor should they have to do that. I think it's a very difficult time for people. And I, I don't, I don't think I'm overstating this at all. And there's a solution to your depression or your sense of you know, having no meaning, no future in life. You know what that solution is? You take up the cause. And the cause is, drum roll please, climate change. Oh, yeah. You can get some big endorphin hits there. You take, you take up climate change. And what do you have? You have, you have a raison d'etre. Your life is connected to making sure that we have a safe planet for generations to come. It's the church of climate change. It's an organizing principle. That's number one. Number two, you'll find community there because there are other people who have the same kind of zeal around it. But it's not just climate change. You have to embrace everything that goes along with it including diversity, equity, the LGBTQ plus AI forum uh, agenda, you got to embrace that too. Now you're engaged in social change. And there is a lot of endorphins that can be released in that relationship. You can get your anger endorphins by pointing the finger at all the bad people in the world that keeps you kind of moving forward theoretically so that you can have a place where ultimately that's gone and there's change and you can live a peaceful life. There's that you get the endorphin rush for having a higher purpose. That purpose is the planet carbon. You have an endorphin rush in knowing that you're a part of a technological evolutionary period of time where we're transitioning out of so-called fossil fuels into renewables. And boy, isn't that fucking exciting. You can get that endorphin rush. You get the endorphin rush by looking at your own life and your own upbringing and seeing just how privileged you were. And now you have another plank for social change, which is, helping the underprivileged and the people that have been oppressed. And you'll do anything there. That's another plank of the church. And it's going to make you feel better. You'll get some endorphin rushes, especially from somebody who comes from one of those underprivileged classes who accepts you. You see how the game is wired? That is the carrot on the end of the stick. If you're young and you don't have a sense of purpose and being, there's your carrot. Why do you think a lot of people get on board that train? Because the other train is not looking so good. The other train, which is self-determination, individualism, family, 
innovation based on the individual's ability to innovate, creating strong families, strong communities, maybe worship, prayer, God, Christianity. That world is now demonized. That world is January 6th. And January 6th is the new Trump. It's like January 6th is 1A, Trump is 1B. And then you paint all those people as being essentially backwards, redneck, tobacco chewing, uh, Klansmen, white Christian Nazis. And by the way, Alex Jones has contributed to this with his constant haranguing about Nazis, 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 Nazis. He's contributed to this. So you look at that and you go, well, fuck, do I want to be a part of that? Even if I know that I'm not that, and I know they're not that, but that's what the controllers are doing. They're, they're whitewashing it, right? So then what's left? You look over here. Hi, would you like a hug? Can I give you a hug? I know I'm a drag queen, but I'm going to give you a hug anyway. Come on over. That's what's going on. This is how they socially engineer people. They make one potential avenue for a person's evolution look a certain way. And it's a lie. Meanwhile, they make this other avenue look so fucking great. And you have to be there, present, and a part of the future. And you have a new family waiting for you. And that's a lie, too. And this is how they get people. I'm going to talk about more of this today when um, I'm going to be on with Giuseppe. Because I don't like to talk about the same thing twice in one day. It'd be a little overlap. But we were talking last night, you know, exchanging some texts. And had to do with, you know, getting the prick. And I'll get into it more on his show. But people wouldn't have taken that if they had not been socially engineered and conditioned to do that in that moment. So there was a lot that had gone on prior to the uh, rollout and distribution of those vaccines, which made people much more malleable. I'm not going to get into it now. So if you want to hear more about that, it'll be on Giuseppe's show on Twitch. So, you know, again, we're, I'm just looking at the social landscape. I'm an observer. I talk to people. I counsel people. You know, I do my best to, you know, put pieces together in the realm. I, you know what? I, I'm... Danny has really reawakened my um, awareness around language. And David was on my show on Sunday night. And he said something and, you know, the red light went off in my head. And it was nothing that he was saying that 
it wasn't like his point of view or anything, but it was a certain word that he used. And the word was collective. And he used it in the proper sense, the collective. And I've been thinking about that word, collective, ever since he said it that night. And when we think of collective, what do you think of? Well, for me, there are two things that come up. Number one is Jung and the collective unconscious or the unconscious, not unconscious. There's that too. Um, the collective unconscious, which I think by and large is a benign and almost neutral term because the unconscious does neutralize the word collective. Now, we take the unconscious away for, from it. When I think of collective, what do I think of? I think of the fucking Communist Party. I think of the Kulaks, who eventually had their land stolen from them. But prior to that, they were placed in a collective. And I think of the word collect. Like somebody who collects butterflies and pins them. Collectors. So this whole idea of the collective, I think, needs to be reexamined. And I'm looking at how I use that word now because I don't want to reinforce an idea and a phrase that I think moves us forward to a prescribed outcome, which is essentially being put in, in a fucking cage in a zoo. That's a collective. How did they get there? Well, they collected those animals. And now you can walk around and go see all the animals in the cages in the zoo, of course, that are vaccinated now. The animal collectors collected them and put them in a collective, and they called a zoo. So this whole idea of talking about the collective, I'm reexamining my relationship to that fucking word. So I may say realm, I may say something else. Or if I say collective, it will have a particular meaning behind it that's connected to what I think is part of the language magic or the spelling of that word. And a lot of times we use words in order to try to encapsulate ideas and concepts, but there are cases where we, we, we will use them in a fashion that does um, illuminate our unconscious use of those very same words. Anyway, these are things I've just been thinking about, particularly the collective thing. And what does that do? It ties into this whole program of social change. 
So I'm not sure what the, the opposite of the collective is. We'll explore that, but not today. Anyway, um, and I mean this in all sincerity, I really do, that the three people I talked about today do have family members, they have children, and they're going to miss these people. And I don't, I don't want to make light or, or um, trivialize their passing. But I feel like in order to truly honor the fact that these people have been sacrificed, that perhaps there's a different way of dealing with their passing. Perhaps we need a new response. Perhaps we need to start asking more questions about why. Why did Caleb Swanigan suddenly put on 400 pounds? Why did Jalen Ferguson all of a sudden theoretically, I put this in quotes, go to a certain part of Baltimore and buy Xanax, which is laced with fentanyl, or maybe just buy fentanyl? Why did Tony Saragusa, a beloved member of the Tom's River community, all of a sudden drop dead? We're not asking the right questions but we're muttering the same homilies over and over again to the point where they have no meaning at all. And we're paying homage to uh, the spirit of death itself, but not in any profound or deep way. Even death has become trivialized and shallow in our experience, and it never should be. And the reason why it has because it has become all too familiar now with many of us over the last two years. Some of the trivialization of death began to occur with all of these mass shootings. At a certain point, you're like, okay, I just don't have anything else left to give here. And um, sometimes the mass shootings aren't really what they seem either. And yet they're still asking you to perform an emotional ballet the same way you might have performed an emotional ballet when 9-11 happened. Go out there and do it. Go do your tricks, your emotional tricks. And there are people that do die, okay? I'm not, again, I don't want to trivialize this. But expecting the American people to perform over and over again their... Uh, group penance, I think is asking a lot. It's like a battery that has nothing left. It's just dead. It's been drained. So the moral of the story in here is, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to fill your battery back up so that when something does happen, you have a true analog, emotional, psychological, and spiritual response. Where does it start? start with your body? You got to take care of yourself. It's number one. And there are other things you can do. Decalcifying your, your pineal gland. Some people say you can't do it, but I think you can help it. And there are things you can do. And that's a tremendous, absolutely tremendous thing. It connects us right, right there to the universe. 
and the pineal gland and the pituitary gland and the heart are all connected. You know, I saw this documentary yesterday. I'm going to leave you with this because it's a really great documentary. And it's a subject that many of you might not necessarily be interested in, but I found, I found it to be so fascinating and very uplifting. Take about an hour, 15 minutes of your time. There is, there were three brothers that lived in Detroit, Michigan. And in 1974, they formed a band called death. Interesting name, right? And they created eight songs. Uh, and they're pretty fucking good. Like these guys were punk rock. These guys were hardcore punk rock before it, it ever existed. And it was really the brainchild of one of these three brothers who's now since passed away. It's a fascinating documentary and it's about how their music is rediscovered and how the sons of one of the guys in the band take up the cause and start playing the songs again. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing documentary and it's about um, music, innovation, family, love, you know, and, and even when they made the documentary, right? Like the young guys, the three brothers who are the son of the bass player who's still alive, they start a band and they have some other people in the band. And some of those guys are white, right? So it's integrated, it's diverse. And they're all celebrating the music of this band. And um, really the their uncle who's no longer around and the uncle was kind of prophetic. And he said, our music, people will find our music in the future and everybody will want it. He was not wrong. It's very emotional in a real way, in a way where death becomes a living force that connects generations through space and time. Now that is an interesting relationship to this phenomenon where we leave our bodies. And ironically enough, the band is named death. And the labels passed on signing them because of the name. Well, can't you change your name to the Rock and Pistons or something like that? No, this is our name. And their most famous song is called uh, Politicians in My Eyes. Why don't I play your, let's go out on death. Which version do I want to play? Let's see. Uh, it's five minutes long. I got four minutes left in the show. Here, let me just uh, show you here uh, the page because I'm not going to play it. I don't have enough time. And I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect their work. So these are the two brothers. And they got a, a guitar player from 
one of the father's bands. The uh, the death documentary is really worth watching. It's a beautiful, beautiful video. So this is the documentary. If you haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend it. Right here. It's one hour, 35 minutes long, a band called Death. You won't be disappointed at all. Um, it's a documentary about a band named Death, and it's incredibly uplifting. And one of the guys even died. It's a very different relationship with the subject and the, and the, the topic, subject matter and the topic of today's show. All right, go forth. Celebrate life. Do something that is affirmative. It says, you're here. You're here in this place, in this realm, right now. I said it before, I'll say it again. You matter. Yeah, matter. 3D. Of course, we're more than that. But um, plant your flag in the material world in a significant and conscious way. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with Russ Winter over on the 11th house side of things. If you like the show, tell your friends, spread, spread the, spread the link, all that stuff, right? It's a strong cup of coffee in the morning. Or if you're in another part of the world, it's an invigorating pick me up at the end of the day. Use your head in order to determine what's real. Your heart, two set what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. For me and the apps and Jasper, um, take good care. Bye for now.